Clemson Podcast. Clemson and Kentucky teams high-fived on I-75 after vanquishing one another's rivals. Spokesman Bobby Petrino was approached by rival pizza company DiGiorno because Louisville just can't deliver. Lamar Jackson's stats had more padding than the training bras at Belk. Clemson is 3-0 and life is good. Welcome back everybody. This is your host Nick. I'm joined tonight for the Louisville recap show by my guest host Cody. What's up man? How are you? I'm great. Great week of great weekend of football. And we're three now, so I'm, I'm feeling really good. Definitely. Um, this is kind of the first stretch of the season we talked about um, heading in in our preview show. And you know, we would know a lot more about this team and what we have, particularly on the offense. I think we had a lot of those questions answered, both in the Auburn game and the Louisville game. And definitely want to get into some of those, those discussion points. Um, before we dive into that, just want to take a moment to encourage everyone uh, to head over to iTunes, leave a review for the podcast. It's really the best way you guys can get back and um, help us to reach a broader audience out there. Um, appreciate all the feedback we've gotten to date. I uh, want to shout out our man Gautam. I believe I'm pronouncing that properly. Uh, we appreciate the love. We appreciate all the enthusiasm that you've shown us. Um, ben in particular, he's the one that kind of responds to a lot of our comments that we get. So keep them coming. Keep the feedback coming, guys. And thank you, Gautam, for being a loyal listener. Anything to add, Cody? Uh, a guy named Tanner Joy. Uh, God, he's liked like every single one of our tracks since on SoundCloud since we started. So thank you, Tanner. Thanks for listening to the podcast. Appreciate all our listeners. You know, again, a review is a great way to um, you know give us support and help us reach a broader audience. But telling a friend, you know, that helps too. So we appreciate all that. Appreciate all the listens um, and engagement with us on social media too. Um, but Cody, let's get into this game. Um, Clemson came away with a stunning road victory. Uh, I think we were pretty confident headed into this one, but. Um, who could have predicted a 47-point effort from this Clemson offense? I think, uh, for me, that that's like the number one big takeaway in this game. Yeah, well, it felt like if it was going to be 47, then Louisville was going to have 45. Those were like a lot of the narratives coming in. Um, or you, you could also see like the Auburn, the other side, the flip side of that, the Auburn outcome where it's like this grinded out, we can, we stop, uh, you know, we stop Lamar Jackson, and but our offense kind of goes dry. And it was quite the opposite. And, and the reason, look at the last three years before, every single you know, last possession. So, you know, a lot of precedent to think that would be the same, prefer to be the same this year. Yeah, I think um, despite the confidence going in, I had, you know, you, you can't help but think about, like, what are the circumstances that this could be a close game yet again with all that evidence we've seen in the past? Some of the things that, you know, in, in the conversations I had in the last week or so leading into this, you know, look, look no further than last year's matchup. Clemson, you know, what would it take to have another close game this year, judging by the talent delta? And, um, you know, I thought coming into this, we, we actually had a bigger talent advantage this year than last year. But, you know, if, if we put up a similar performance as a year ago, 
Louisville could stay in that game. You know, we had five turnovers last year. Their offense ran over 100 plays. Um, we picked up 50 plus yards and penalties. And um, they, we actually were victims of a pick six last year. Like, to me, that was kind of the only circumstance that we could have seen Clemson, you know, go toe to toe with Louisville and end up on the short end and or keep that game really close. Um, I'm not saying there was no chance for Louisville. And, you know, we could talk a little bit about some of the mistakes their players made that kept this one, you know, that the fact that they made those mistakes kind of helped Clemson further ice this game. But yeah, I, I thought it was going to be a tall order either way. Right. I think uh, kind of the, the laws of averages bared out in this one. Like the, if you look at the first quarter, it was 7-7. Uh, Lamar Jackson finally found some success there at the end uh, of that quarter. And it looked like we were in, in for another game, like a traditional Clemson-Louisville slugfest uh, until the end. But, you know, you're, you talk about um, some of the narratives. And, and Alex Kraft had a really good article on STS where he said, and you talked about the talent uh, gap, and he mentioned that as well. It's like, I see it on film. I see they are, they're probably worse than they were last year. I see that we're maybe a more complete team than this year. I don't know what exactly what he wrote, but, uh, but he said, but everything told me this is going to be a, a big win, but I still couldn't, I, I didn't cave. I think he only picked like a 10 point spread. So I, I saw him or I saw Louisville play against North Carolina and Lamar Jackson looked great, but he, it was clear that he was a one man offense and and the defense just, it, you can see that it's taken a step back. I mean, all three levels, they're just the, the athletes, the difference makers weren't there. And, I mean, North Carolina exploded them, so so did we. Yeah, I mean, a few few comments that we had coming into this preview for this Louisville game. Uh, when they had when they had, were on defense, uh, Jair Alexander, their star cornerback, um, had two picks, I think, against Clemson last year. Really disruptive player. He sat out in this game. Um, I think without that, you know, without that sort of force and um, presence on defense, that may well have affected their team. And Clemson got a lot done through the air in this game. Um, wasn't necessarily Deion Kane, you know, torching them, but, you know, having that leadership in there and having that depth and experience, I think may well have, have played a role. And their other cornerbacks might've been able to, you know, stick on Hunter Renfro better um, over the middle or, you know, prevent Ray Ray McLeod from getting free. So um, yeah, I mean, we don't want to chalk all of Clemson's success through the air up to Jair Alexander, Alexander not being there, but this definitely exposed sort of their talent gap and not having their number one player, you know, only made that worse. Yeah, they had one guy, I think James Hearn, who plays like a linebacker, defensive end type hybrid that probably would would, would have received playing time for Clemson. Probably, would, maybe a starter, probably not though. Yeah, so then I think that's he's just a strong a, side guy. Right, yeah. to put it in perspective, and that's one guy, you know, and then I heard the guys on cover two, the... Um, the Athlon podcast, they said, you know, if you're doing a draft of college football talent out of these two pool of teams, you might take Lamar Jackson first as your number one pick, but the next, you know, the next 20 would be from Clemson, just to give an idea. And I mean, he's probably not too, too far off. It might be something like one to, t- you know, Lamar Jackson, the next 10 Clemson, but that that's what we saw on the field. Let me, let me ask you a question because there's yep. been a lot of hyperbole, but let's, in, let's indulge that a little bit. A lot of articles have been written, a lot of even national podcasts are giving are giving Clemson their their due credit, saying that they've arrived. Uh, they're they're looking like like a like another Alabama a machine. You know the coaching everything. What do you feel like this was a statement win? Uh, and did you see like I guess some elements of that? It's a good question. I mean, um, I do I do think it was a statement win. I I want to say like for me this this victory and certainly Auburn last week 
led to what I would consider to be program validation. And what I mean by that is we don't need to beat Auburn to be validated as a program. We don't need to be Louisville. We've done that. We've beaten teams of that caliber or better. But I think what this has started to show and why this is, in my mind, a huge win for Dabo Sweeney is we are not just a one-man team. We're not a Deshaun Watson team, and that wasn't, you know, you're going to hear that from South Carolina fans and SEC fans and Ohio State fans and everybody else. And you know, I think with these type of wins, with these type of dominant victories, it shows that, you know, Clemson is a true program of winners and a true program of elite talent and coaching that I think in many ways has arrived or is definitely among the current modern era blue bloods. Um, and really, I, I look at, look no further than our opponent to just show a state of two programs and um, you know, there's no shortcuts is really my comment here. Um, you can have, hit a home run with a signing, get one of the most electric players in the country, like a Lamar Jackson, but, you know, game in, game out against a, a superior team, a superior program, you, you can't, you can't shortcut your way through that. And they almost got by with one last year against a superior team. And, you know, pretty much all hell broke loose on the Clemson side to allow that to happen. Wasn't the case as much this year. So, um, you know, did we need this statement win? I don't really know, but like we've proven it. Like Clemson's five and zero against this last five. I think they've played of the last six games. We've played five ranked opponents, and we're five and zero against those. Um, you can you know count up the the tombstones in in the graveyard there at, on campus. Um, the proof is in those, not as much as these last two wins, but to get that done after the Deshaun Watson era, after losing the rest of the guys, you know, on offensive defense last year, huge. Yeah, and I think, and you know, maybe a better way of framing the question would have been to say, was it a, a validation of reaching new heights, like a Alabama, I guess Alabama type heights, and, and not that you know, if you were looking at a box score, you see it, it looks good. We were on the road, Louisville, good team, Heisman winner, you know, good win, right? Uh, but in you know, in, in the margin of victory, looked nice too. We actually beat them probably by more than what, or we actually were probably fair better than what the score indicated. But I guess the thing is, is like what you said, like it's, uh, there's no shortcuts. It's this, it's a more complete team. It seems like this year over, over last year, you talk about like, like a, maybe more balance, like, like yeah. going back to the CJ Spiller, even Sammy Watkins type days where you had like a, a few bright spots, but throughout the whole yeah, roster. If those guys aren't having great games. You're not going to really have it too big of a shot in the right. matchup. Um, and now it's kind of like the culmination, it seems to me, uh, this year, being the first year, really, because you can look at that 2015 recruiting class. Look at all the juniors on this squad now that are going to be, a lot of them won't be around next year, but um, it, it's the culmination of guys like Mitch Hyatt, Christian Wilkins, Kelly Bryant, uh, Austin Bryant, Cleveland Farrell. I can, I can go on and on down the list. But it seems like all these guys have arrived, and, uh, and there's guys behind them. And in every position, there is a four- or five-star player. And it's not it's not just talent it's waves of talent and it, it, it's all over the field you see the speed on all over the field especially especially on defense and now you see it a little bit more with the play or the playmakers on offense it really is like a swiss army knife of how you how we can how clemson can attack you with you know play our yards after the catch um passing downfield um hunter renfro in the slot like just a lot a lot of things it, it, i mean all that said, I think we have to put this this win into context. It, Louisville probably isn't as good as their the ranking, but it, it feels good to know that we you know we can kind of have our vers- own version of the bullet constrictor too. Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think Alabama is a pretty good corollary or, of a program you should aspire to. You know, they're they're the kings of the mountain. You know, yes, we dethroned them this past year. We probably should have two years ago too. But 
Um, by and large, year in, year out, you know, they, they do get a lot of hype. I personally think, you know, they, they have some question marks on defense. Colorado State this last weekend gave them a game. The margin of victory there wasn't as good. Um, yes, they suffocated Florida State, you know, in that opener. But I, I could make a pretty good argument that Clemson should be your number one team right now. But rankings don't matter um, at this point. You know, get into a position where the playoff committee can select you and get you into the, the tournament at the end of the year. I think that's what matters. But going back to kind of like the state of the program, where Alabama is, where we want to strive to, um, I think that when we were starting this podcast, we talked about, you know, and a lot of it was touching on recruiting and the talent. And we talked a lot in, in those days about, you know, and this is kind of typical of Clemson fans, like you always want to measure yourself against the other you know good programs and understand where we are and all that. We talked a lot about that. And I think we were saying things like, we know we will have arrived when we get, when we have a player go down with an injury, we have a guy suspended, which doesn't happen all that often, or we have a guy gra- graduate or go to the NFL early, when you can immediately replace them with talent and not see a drop off in production. You know, we, we talk a lot about next man up, but there's really, you know, two to three layers of that throughout this team. And especially this year, I think you maybe mentioned the depth last year, um, was a little bit more imbalanced and we, we relied on certain guys. We didn't get, you know, too much too much contribution from second string. I think this year that, you know, that's definitely been clear. We've gotten guys into, the, I mean, we got guys on the third, fourth string and on the Louisville game who were making goal line stands against their starters, like at the end of that game, just insane. So um, yeah, we're, we're about as close as possible to quote unquote, having made it as we can be. Right. I mean, I think the reason I bring this up too is because of, like you mentioned the way we beat Auburn, and now going into Louisville and looking, yeah, we can win big with a huge offensive performance, and we can win a tight one, right? Exactly, and it, it, this exceeds my expectations. I just thought I just didn't think the offense would be as advanced, and, and maybe to segue into more of the offense and, and how they fared, and particularly Kelly Bryant. Um, we lost. We talk again. You talk about the balance. We lost Mike Williams, one of the best receivers in program history. Wayne Gallman, same at the running back position, and then the best player in program history. Um, Deshaun Watson, you know, not to say, you know, not to mention uh, Artavis Scott. So, but I guess what what we're seeing so far, for one, is is, is great coaching. You know, I'll, I'll say Kelly Bryant looks great. He's he's been put in a position um, to make plays that he can make, and I think that's a that's a great part of it. Um, I, I think for him, he, what makes me excited going forward is that we have established. Um, I, I want to say some some sort of baseline. I talked about this a little bit last week, where. He can make plays that I didn't think he'd be able to make. He's he's doing it both with his feet, um, with his arm, hitting guys across the middle, um, hitting guys downfield. That element of balance to be able to do so many things that that makes you really hard for an elite defense to guard you. And it, but with with you know the caveat being there's a lot of mistakes so far um, that need to be cleaned up. But what's promising is I feel like you know he's only three starts in. It's going to get better. Right. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about a couple of defenses we'll face going forward that can't put this team to the test. On the road, Blacksburg against Virginia Tech, that's going to be a night game. Pretty, I mean, I, I imagine that'll be a much more hostile environment than Louisville is. Louisville's kind of in a 55,000 person stadium. I, I should look up what Lane Stadium is in Blacksburg before I talk too much smack about Louisville. But, you know, anyway, it's, it's going to be a different ball game there. And, you know, you have a lot more stability and talent on the defensive side. I think that's two weeks from now. We'll get a warm up this weekend against Boston College for that. But um, maybe let me ask you if you could dig in a little bit on some of the, the mistakes to clean up. And it probably is true at certain other positions throughout the roster. But um, yeah, what are the top one to two things you're seeing from KB that he needs to 
polish up. And the biggest thing I think is when he, he he's not he doesn't get his feet under him, and he he overthrew. If you remember a couple of drives early on, stalled out in that first quarter, he was well overthrowing some guys like way 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 high. You know, like DeAndre Overton six five. If you're if you're missing him, that's an issue. Um, so a lot of a lot of it's just footwork. Yeah, and and I think that's again that's things he can improve. It's these like little screen passes that they probably do they've done a million times since fall camp or we'll say spring camp. Um, so that that's one. The other is just some of his reads. I think he's done a tremendous job, a lot better than I would have predicted. But I just think it's going to get better um, when he when he has when he's when he senses a blitz, uh, you know, a linebacker coming in from the strong side, knowing you know you got to you got to pull the ball and run it, and you can't give it off to the running back who's you know pretty much just going to be about to get stopped dead in his tracks. Yeah. Yep. So just like little things like that, but they're giving him a lot of autonomy. You can see, like we mentioned, talked about it last week. He's he's going through a lot of progressions. He's he, on the RPOs. He's 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 pre-snap. He's processing a lot of things. So uh, and, and post-snap as well. So I, I'm really impressed. But a lot of like just got to be got to be cleaner. Um and and guys, you know, guys have to to keep following through on as, at the wide receiver position as well, which I think for the most part they did minus a few drops. Right, a few drops are potentially um you know a gripe if you if you if you want to come up with one. Couple instances of Dion Kane maybe not high pointing the ball um, on one of the one of the throws coming in, but yeah, um, he'll be fine. Yeah, I th- not too much concern there long term. Um, something that I think when we were watching this game together Saturday, one of us commented on, and I'll, I'll take this back to a Deshaun comparison. I always felt like Deshaun sort of had eyes in the back of his head and he's very good at evading, you know, knowing the right moment to take off at the football, evading a sack at the at the last second, and um, we saw a couple of instances of Kelly kind of get tracked down or wasn't necessarily aware of pressure coming from his weak side. And I think that's also something he'll, he'll need to polish up on and develop. Yeah. You could see that too. Um, especially the right tackle position that has been a, you know, a question mark with some of the, the penetration, but sensing when that pocket's going to collapse. Um, yeah. Deshaun Watson was amazing at it. Um, especially. Do you, do you think that's just like having an internal clock on how much time you tend to have against a certain defense? Is it, just a preternatural ability to understand when, when it's collapsing around you. Like, what do you think that is? It's, it's probably a combination of both. I think with Alabama, it it was definitely an internal clock. Um, but you also have to pick up blitzes. You have to see them coming. Uh, and, and there's a lot that goes on. Uh, And for the most part, I would say Kelly Bryant is is doing fairly well, but if nothing else, like if he does sense it, I would rather him leave early and and take off with his legs than try to stay in the pocket because he he does seem to be taking a, a sack, as he's as he's reading things downfield, he's taking a sack or two more than I would I would like for him. Absolutely. Um, maybe we can pivot slightly to talk about the running back play in this game. Um, again, you you mentioned the coaching putting Kelly Bryant in a position to um, do well. I want to you know I want to take my hat off once more to Tony Elliott. I thought we called a great game plan, not being conservative, really going after Louisville and tiring out their defensive line uh, through inside zone running. You know, I thought that we were hitting that most of the game, um, and it you know culminated in a couple of long runs. Um, Adam Choice and everyone knows about the Etienne run, which was incredible at the end of the game, but you know into the fourth quarter. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it saw just a lot of good coming out of the running game, and Louisville coming into the game, I think was that was the strong suit of their defense um, when I looked at that relative to the big passing plays they had given up against UNC and Purdue. Uh, relatively speaking, they. They did well between the tackles um, and run defense. But, you know, so, yeah, definitely good on the coaching staff. But also I thought our O-line played a hell of a game too. 
I think so. I, I give a lot of credit to the offensive line for creating those holes for the running backs to run through. And give credit to Feaster. Uh, I think we wanted Ben. Ben said he wanted to see more touches go to Feaster, and he did, and he, he capitalized. He looks good, too. I mean, you can just see it on film. He looks – he's quicker, more burst. He's already, like, you know, I think – what is he, 6 feet, 225? Yeah. Probably a little bit more than he should be. But uh, he, he looks good. I mean, not, not quite – you know what's kind of funny is everyone wanted to do the Thunder and Lightning with Feaster being the Lightning – Eddie and being the Thunder, but it's I think I think it's complete opposite at this point. <laughs> it's crazy how they were able to transform like that. And I mean, Eddie and ATN looks I mean, he's such a beast. And he I mean flashes a CJ Spiller on that run, just with the burst and acceleration. So um yeah, I mean, amazing game across the board. CJ Fuller, I thought, had a pretty good game too. Um hitting the wide open running lanes. So um anyway, really good stuff from that aspect. Um, I guess maybe one thing, one one thought I had rewatching this game and thinking back um, from Saturday night was just the reliance. And first of all, I want to say it as a good thing, but you know how reliable Hunter Renfro is, especially on third down when you need to pick up yards. He's your guy. You know, against a team like Virginia Tech, who knows that's coming and who you know presumably is going to be able to do something to stop that, or at least you know Bud Foster will do his best. Like. It'd be nice to see potentially other options emerge um, in that in that situation, and to have Kelly Bryant and again he's in his third start, like to develop chemistry with another pass catcher, another option, you know, w- would be something nice to see. And I'm I'm kind of looking directly at like Mylon Richard there. I think it would be would be good to see him a little bit more involved in the passing game. Yeah, when they they have some design plays for him as well. I mean, it, naturally, there's a lot of there's a lot of things already in the playbook for the tight end. Maybe we just haven't showed our hand completely yet, but I, I agree with you on, on Renfro. And I, I really don't think, I don't, I don't say this in an arrogant way. I just don't think there is a way to guard against Renfro. What he does is so precise in route running, understanding uh, leverage when he's going up against his, the, the defender, getting out of his cuts and his breaks really, really cleanly and quickly. Like, I, I don't think there's an, I just think that's an elite team. Uh, it's an elite attribute of, of an elite or uh, I should say, it's an attribute of an elite team. There we go. Um, to be able to execute on those plays, it's it's what happens in the NFL where you just have a little bit of space. So I would like to see them, you know, keep going, just go to the well with Renfro because again, it's really hard to stop. You can't send double coverage across the middle if you, that leaves the the, the uh, boundary uh, open for for Deion Kane. So um, and and then of course you have Ray Ray, Ray on the other side. So uh, it's. Embarrassment of riches is just yeah. the phrase everyone uses. And I want to maybe go back to Kelly Bryant for a moment. One of the highlight plays in my mind, thinking back on this game, was the po- the pocket poise he showed. The pocket was collapsing, pressure was coming, and he fed that 40-yard pass to Hunter Renfro, um, leading up, setting up that first touchdown um, in the first quarter. Uh, amazing catch by Renfro. Kelly put it just out of reach of the defender. It was actually a well-defended ball, but um, Renfro, again, you know, amazing, amazing pass-catching ability there. Not just you know in the slot receiver you know spot or you know down the seam, but um, kind of a post route as well. So um, super versatile receiver and really great to see from Kelly Bryant too, just showcasing that touch. Yeah, he stepped up in the pocket. He he saw, he saw the pressure coming from the right side, and he actually moved up into like no man's land or into like a really tight spot and made that yeah beautiful pass. Yeah, I, th- I think you know what's interesting is uh, you can say you talk about the talent level last year all you want with Mike Williams and even Jordan Leggett. Um, Artavis Scott, 
it, maybe we don't have that that crazy you know top ten NFL draft pick type receiver, but just as a unit, it, it looks like an improved group. Ray Ray looks as good as ever. Uh, you know, hope he doesn't do anything like stupid, like drop any more passes, or <laughs> he certainly wasn't going to fumble on that uh, on that fade route. He he waited to do his little Superman dive at like the you know eight yards into the end zone. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I think that's a they're simulating a finish of a one hundred meter dash at, in track. Right. When you lean through the tape. Got it. Yeah. Uh, he anyway. did, and that's where he dropped the, that's where he fumbled last year. Yeah. In the return, so. Yeah, for sure. We call that force gumping through the, through the yeah, end zone. Yeah. All the way through. Run up the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I was just, I, I think like Deion Kane seems to be improved. I mean, they're in their money year. Him and Ray Ray, they, they look really good. And Renfro, yeah, that dude is playing in the league too. So not as like imposing physically of a unit, but those are three damn good receivers. Yeah. And you know, in a minute here, I want to build up to the ultimate question I'm going to ask you about this offense, but it does seem like even if the highest of highs or the peak talent level maybe receded slightly versus, you know, the legends that you talked about, but is, is the reliability, is the depth um, across the board maybe in, improved? And I think certainly it has, uh, particularly at the running back position. Um, I think the you know, the drop off from Gallman to what we got from Fuller a year ago and choice um, when he was able to go um, really wasn't, it was a pretty big golf and drop off there. We're not really seeing that at the running back position now. In fact, you know, Feaster may may well be. I mean, at this point, Feaster is your number one. Would you say? I think the staff want, wants him to be number one. If it's just a little, uh, a few gaps in pass protection. But I, I yeah, yeah, I think in terms of that talent gap between Gallman to Feaster, yeah, like it's he's it's closing in. Uh, he's still not there yet, but it's close. Looking at the preview that we had for this entire season, I thought we we said we'd go as far as the offense could take us. And the big big question mark was Kelly Bryant, of course, his development, but also how well could the returning guys and the new guys on this offense, you know, step up and replace you know the legends of of yesteryear. Um, I want to ask you, like, where would you recalibrate your expectations for the season? I think there were some predictions of us losing to Auburn. I believe all of us talked about that. Um, I think you know. You might have thought we, we, we could go down to Louisville as well. I don't want to rake you over the coals over your prediction, but um, no, seeing what you've seen, what we learned in the first three weeks, like where would you recalibrate, you know, your expectation? Well, that there's got to add some context there because I did pick <laughs> I did pick three losses, but one one thing was I didn't necessarily expect us to be a bad team. I just thought in those kind of 50 50 you know one possession games, I didn't think we would have necessarily what it would take just being new or young. Uh, new starters to to win those the way that we did when the Sean Watson was here, right? But also, I thought Auburn would probably be a little bit better. Maybe they still will be. We'll see. I, I certainly, I think, I thought Louisville would be a little bit better. Like I, I don't, I don't than what we saw. Yeah. yeah, I don't see big things for them. Unfortunately, I think the Auburn win will age well. Not necessarily Louisville. Um, and then we'll see about NC State and the remainder of the schedule, including FSU. But uh, yeah, I mean, re- recalibrating. Great question. Because I, I thought we had a, a kind of a outside looking in in terms of playoff chances. Now I think we have to just looking at the path ahead. I think we have to be a, one of the front runners alongside, along with Alabama and Oklahoma, at, at this point. And our path is very clear. We'll see what FSU brings, but it's 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 ours for the taking. Yeah, definitely. I think for winning the ACC, you got to put us in the driver's seat for that. Um, knowing how well how well Clemson's played so far. Um, we were making those predictions. I think also we certainly questioned the veracity of 
Florida State as kind of a playoff team that everyone was penciling them in for. Um, and DeAndre Francois going down certainly didn't hasn't done anything to like you know change my mind. Uh, but we'll see what we get out of Blackman. We you know we're recording this on Monday night. We, he'll go for the first time this weekend against NC State, which you know they're hyped up to have a pretty good defensive line. We'll see what we get out of, of you know true freshman starter, right? So you're still bullish on Florida State. No, I'm saying I'm still bullish on Clemson to be the front runner in the Atlantic and in the ACC overall. Um, How far do you think Florida State drops back? I think it's a good point. I mean, it's hard to say right now. Yeah, hard to predict right yeah, now, but totally impossible to, to predict. I think that their their defense though is is the real deal and is very legit. And I think that um, to finish up our offensive discussion here, I wanted to ask you about like remaining defenses on our schedule that you think could give. The mistakes that, that we've seen to date, you know, kind of amplify those a bit. Um, I think Florida State is definitely a team that can can hurt Clemson. Um, I, I think it goes back to in those one score games, you know, where does the talent shine through and where other advantages on our side versus theirs. And I think in that Florida State game, you know, I would actually reduce their percentage of likelihood of beating us, not having Francois to compare to if they did have him. Um, just because he has played in tough games before. He has played in big contests against us um, in their bowl game against Michigan, you know, a number of other games, and Blackman does not have that experience. Certainly he'll get, you know, six, seven games in before they play us, but, um, you know, tough to recreate those hostile environments. I'm not sure how many of those games he's going to have. Yeah, and the Noel cast even said that they thought Francois, uh, that he looked better, and I thought he did too. I think he looked like a little bit more poised, more savvy. In that in the, Bama in game. The, in the Bama game, yeah, yeah. even though mm-hmm. he, he caved there at the end or he took the hit. But I, I think, yeah, so with him gone, Clemson has to be favored. But you're right, their defense is legit. And you saw at Auburn's defense is, you know, we'll see if it's as good or how that how that pans out, but it's, it's definitely an elite defense. So... I, I mean, they, they've done a great job against us the last two years with Deshaun Watson, you know, holding us, you know, pretty much. Well, last year, I guess we, we kind of broke it uh, broke it loose at the end. But, yeah, that's definitely the type of team that could beat us. Virginia Tech, I haven't seen them yet, so I'm not going to comment on them probably till next week. Yep. Um, I did watch Boston College, though, and that defense has actually regressed. So that, I think it's a 39-point spread. No, no, it's 35, 34. Yeah, thirty-four, thirty-five. Pretty yep. sure we're going to cover that. That's going to you're going to see a lot of Hunter Johnson uh, and Zarek Cooper in that game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I, I looked today at the S and P plus kind of projection for that game. I think Bill C's got us as a twenty-eight point favorite. Um, those that's what the advanced stats say. But BC is moving in the opposite direction. They allowed five hundred yards on the on the ground to Notre Dame. Most of that, I think, two hundred some for the from their quarterback, uh, who played a team the week before. Georgia, which allowed 50 yards on the ground uh, to Notre Dame. So, yeah, BC's coming in off a tough one. I think we should do fine against them. But otherwise, I mean, we'll see what we get out of NC State. I think they've they've been up and down to start the season. They, they have a big test um, with Florida State this weekend, so we'll see what they look like. But, yeah, I, you know, in terms of a, a whole team effort, I think for me, Virginia Tech might even be um, a tougher matchup considering the road, the road test um, than Florida State will be. But... Perhaps not. I think I trust Virginia Tech's offense more than Florida State's at this point. Right. Okay. So it's ACC rankings: Clemson one, Virginia Tech two, Wake Forest three, Florida State four. <laughs> don't sleep on Wake. No. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, Wake has definitely improved. Um, they beat who? They beat um, Morgan State. 
somebody like that? I can't even think of it now. Yeah, sorry. I mean, anyway. They blew Boston College out. I think it was at BC. Yep. And I cannot remember who they beat, but they, they beat them really well. Yeah. I mean, FSU's played one game so far. We got one data point. Um, so I mean, let's reserve judgment on our on our rankings. But um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to keep schedule watching and sort of calibrating us against other teams. But I think, you know, I'm going to stick with my... I don't know, I guess I, I predicted one loss on the season for Clemson with an ACC ACC championship heading into the playoff. Um, do, do do I think this team can lose? Absolutely. I think they could. But I thought the best chance for us to lose was going to be the Auburn game, which is game two of the year, breaking in a, you know many components on a new offense. And, you know, it seems to be, seems to be humming at this point. So we're going to have to basically see a pretty strong effort from an opponent to to take this team down. Yeah, and I, I think the Louisville game gives me a little bit of conviction uh, in the completeness of. And uh, in, in, let me let me glow a little bit. And this is not meant to be like Clemson Homer, you know, whatever. It's just that there is a completeness to this team. Um, the execution, particularly on offense, and maybe that has a lot to do with the, an improved offensive line. It just seems more. Uh, what's the word? Surgical. Like Tony Elliott is it has things really humming. And I, I don't know. To me, it's just like this this team is going to beat a Louisville the way they should beat a Louisville. And I think they'll do the same against Virginia Tech. Whereas last year, as with high upside talent, more volatility. Yeah. And I think that was because Deshaun Watson, could he could paint a masterpiece. But he can also, at, at times, paint a dud. And, mm-hmm. not, you know, and I think we saw that. Part of that may, may have been the fact that he wasn't using his legs in an offense that really needs a dual threat quarterback. But... Whatever the case, we were going to go as far as he took us, and he was brilliant. I don't know if Kelly Bryant can get there, but as a whole, the offense can, I think, be close to as productive and win these lower-level games just, just as they should. Let me ask you, and I know you've, you've watched a fair amount of national action. Is Clemson the best team in the country right now? If not, you know, what do you think it would take to, to prove that we could be? I, do, I have been watching a lot of the, the top teams, and... This is a hot take, and no one's going to agree with it. But I really, I'm really bullish on the Big Twelve, and I don't. I'm not looking. I'm not. I, I did not root for Oklahoma or Oklahoma State. I, I don't care about them. I probably root more against Oklahoma than anything. But I think that those are two very legitimate teams. Um, so looking at like the the grand picture, Alabama, yeah, they're there. They they establish kind of a, a benchmark every year. If you're not a complete team, if you're not great in all three facets, you know you're not going to beat them. Um, so they're number one, but I, 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 I tend to give Oklahoma the, the nod. Uh, I'll, I want to see a little bit more from Oklahoma State, but I think they're also a legitimate contender as well. And th- those are the teams to me. Um, am I leaving anyone out? No, I mean, other teams people are liking right now are Penn State and USC. Um, Penn State has not been challenged. USC actually has in a couple of games. Played those a lot closer. Um, Texas most recently for USC. And right. then in that first game of the year, um, I think they took, was it Western Michigan? Western Michigan took them uh, down to the wire, or at least into the fourth quarter. But yeah, I I believe Clemson is a better, more complete team than Penn State right now. Don't necessarily have a ton of evidence because Penn State keeps playing Pitt and Akron and um, random small schools, but whereas Clemson's played you know a couple of top 15 opponents. Um, I, yeah, the Big 12 is going to be interesting. There are a couple of reasonably decent defensive teams in that league, in, um, K-State and TCU. Let's see how both of those um, Oklahoma-based schools get through that part of their schedule. Um, 
I think there's going to be a little bit of cannibalization happening there. What'll be interesting is if um, Oklahoma wins at Stillwater and then Oklahoma State comes back and beats them in Dallas in the conference championship. You kind of get that both having one loss, one being a conference champion, the other not, uh, but having maybe a better road win against the other opponent. We'll see what happens there. I think there could be a chance for a cannibalization factor, but that's only going to be the case if the Pac-12 doesn't have a definitive winner. And the ACC and the Big Ten also don't have a definitive winner, uh, which is still an option, I guess, but I think it's going to be tough to get two in from any conference is what I'm saying. Right, and I'll reserve just because I haven't watched the Pac-12. I won't. I won't say you review USC and, and base and use box score a box score that yeah. I pass. And and you know fourth quarter, I was you know buzzed from watching the Clemson game, watching the end of that that game. I don't even remember watching it. So yeah, um, I mean just because it was it was so fleeting. Anyway, so I, I'll, I'll wait on uh, to kind of give any opinions on USC. Although I, I do like Oklahoma, I do like Oklahoma State. I don't think everyone will be like well they lose one every year well this isn't this this isn't this is a new year and i i I, probably for that reason the cannibalization we probably won't see two teams from that conference and tcu may be stronger than we thought but yeah that those are those those are two teams factor in penn state and ohio state i i just don't think their top tier in the big in the big 10 has a good enough team one might sneak into the playoff by virtue of their record but i don't think I think Clemson is better than Penn State right now, from what I've seen. I, I said this, I think, in some episode recently. I actually look at Wisconsin as the, not the front runner, let's say, in the Big Ten, but they have the easiest path to get in. They only play Michigan, which has no offense to speak of. They have a solid D, but not putting up points consistently enough. And Wisconsin has a better defense. Um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I, I like the Badgers potentially to be the, the Big Ten champ. Um, but who knows if that'll be good enough to get them into the playoff. We'll see. Yeah, that's a, I mean, that's one of, it's just one of those years where I, Ohio State was, we put, we both picked Ohio State to win the national championship, and I, that's not, I just don't see that happening. And then uh, in Penn State, you know, they're, they're being hyped up as another top four team, but who knows, Wisconsin could slide in there. And yeah. the SEC, it's Alabama and a huge drop-off. Mississippi State, Georgia. Maybe, yeah, maybe Mississippi State. They're playing this coming weekend, so that'll definitely be one to watch, and we'll figure out a lot between those teams. MSU, you know, definitely a uh, offensive powerhouse team. Their defense held LSU to one touchdown, Um, and then Georgia certainly has looked pretty strong. So, um, yeah, nationally, I think you know, ton of season left, et cetera. But I, I do think so far, Clemson has shown they may be one of the most complete teams in the country. I think resume wise starting where we started in the top 10, moving up from there. I think we should probably have gotten a lot of number one votes, but again, I don't think it matters too much. We're still five, six weeks away from the first playoff committee vote anyway. It, it seems like Clemson fans, as much as we hate being disrespected, we, we have a pretty good uh, perspective on rankings this early in the season, how much they really don't matter. So I don't think anyone cares. Uh, and, you know, I hate us like, say we would slide into a playoff and potentially slide into a championship. I just don't, I never think it never comes that easy, but it does seem like the field is a little bit weaker. If you say Clemson was the best team last year, which I mean, we, we did win the championship. I don't think anyone has that type of high upside uh, talent uh, led by, you know, one of the uh, transcendent talent in Deshaun Watson. And then Alabama, I, I, you know, that's, that's your complete just waves and waves of talent team. 
you have them in Alabama this year. It's a very similar team, same quarterback, but not. I think both teams are actually potentially talented. an inferior facsimile of their 2016 versions. I like that. Uh, Bama graduated guys to the NFL and has had a couple of linebacker injuries. You know, a couple of question marks throughout their defense. Shockingly, uh, I'm sure they'll they'll gain experience and step up and kind of look as dominant as ever. But easily, you can say they're worse off than last year's defense on the Bama side. They're not scoring as many touchdowns per game on defense as they did a year ago, et cetera. Yeah, I mean, the, the pass rush with Ryan Anderson and, and Tomlinson up the middle, like um, Jonathan Allen on the other side, those are just incredible. Like that, I think the 16th squad was actually better than the 15th squad. But yeah, yeah. of course, they, they have taken a step back. And, um, you know, that, that gives Clemson, a, you know, a slightly better chance at, at, you know, upending them. Yeah, for sure. So potentially maybe that like second tier of teams in, in the country, um, whether or not you you would throw Oklahoma or Oklahoma State into the top tier, but I think it remains to be seen how that next tier of quality is and who the real playoff contenders remain to be. Um, I think we should probably you can probably start whittling down the list of you know teams that probably have a shot at this point, but um, it's starting to get a lot clearer now. And you know I'm I'm happy to say I think Clemson's squarely in the discussion, which is exciting. Yeah, and it doesn't just feel like not like necessarily like we would get in and one and done. We're happy that we're happy to be here, and but we're going to go home. It feels like a team that if we keep improving, particularly on offense, it's there's a chance. It's not you know out, out of the realm of possibility. So that is very very exciting. And what we thought, what I thought especially was going to be a, a reloading, you know, slash down year. Yeah, and we lost. I personally don't think you can put any type of price tag on the experience level that this team would have going back to the playoff. I mean, even compared to an Alabama, the number of returning starters or players with depth, I think you'd have to give an advantage to Clemson in that in that respect. Um, so yeah, you know, I like our shot. The other thing I'll say is, I mean, it's just from a fan perspective, how exciting that the two potential venues you'd be talking about are New Orleans, amazing, you know, game day atmosphere. Um, that'd be an awesome weekend for people, particularly around New Year's. A lot of trouble to be had there. Or you, you get to go to the Rose Bowl um, on New Year's Eve. Should be, be pretty incredible, too. Um, so that's the other host site for the CFP, would be Pasadena. That's well, very exciting. And for New Orleans, like that's just downright scary because, yeah, someone's going to die. <laughs> Clemson, yeah, Clemson semi-game and, uh, and New Orleans yeah, for New Year's. That's New crazy. We have not given the defense their due, um, really through three quarters, allowing seven points to Louisville. We knew what this defense was capable of, you know, coming into the year, and certainly with that Auburn performance, allowing uh, just the two field goals. Uh, but to do that against the Lamar Jackson team, I mean, again, you know, through three quarters, dismantling that offense. Um, they certainly had a, a strong drive on their on their touchdown. Um, some penalties helped that along, and some mis- misdirection um, on the ejection of Tanner Muse. Um, did not help matters, but you know that ultimately led to the touchdown score. But you know, can't say enough good about this defense and the coaching job that Brent Venables did to manufacture pressure. Um, I think Louisville's offensive line actually held up a lot better than I, I thought heading into the game. And you saw some exotic, you know, blitz, design blitz packages that really sort of freed up some pressure. Um, and ultimately, that got to Lamar Jackson. And I think he showed a lot of frustration on the field. I think he, I think we knew this, you know, heading into the game. But he certainly is a guy that. You can get under his skin a little. He's got a lot of emotion. He plays with emotion. I think that fuels some of his energy and success. But at the same time, if stuff's not going right, he can kind of implode a little bit. 
Yeah, it seemed like not well for one. It looked like we were able to get pretty solid pressure with four. So you're able to kind of drop your linebackers in, into a zone where it seemed like I love the way that Brent Venables played this. He didn't send a ton of pressure, but enough just to keep, you know, keep LJ honest. Um, and then, you know, kind of leaving guys back to make every throw in lane, you know, look very tough. He was not, a, he's not particularly accurate as it is, but the throws that he had to make were going to be with a high degree of difficulty. He was, he was actually able to execute a few of those. He had a lot of drop passes by his receivers but altogether, he's not he's not overly accurate. The one area where he he would have had probably a little bit more success if he, is if he would have just taken off running. But at the same time, if Brent Venables would have seen that's what he's going to, he would have adjusted and, yeah. and probably sent more pressure or, or, or have more guys on the outside. So I think yeah, it's what the defense is at this point. What you saw in that game is the, you know the, the combination of Brent Venables just being a, a mastermind, but also having every every tool you'd ever need as a college defensive coordinator particularly on, at that line of scrimmage. Yeah, you have a coach that good, this type of talent, and these level of playmakers, and it's almost not fair you know, what he's able to put together. So I'd venture to say Kevin still could be 80% as good with this talent. Interesting. Um, <laughs> and he may have 80% as good a talent. I think he does. I think that, <laughs> that bears out with Auburn right now. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think there were certainly some turning points in this game that led to you know, some swings that happened if they'd gone Louisville's way. Um, might have might have played out differently in the final score, um, but I don't think there was a world ever in ever which um, we would have seen Louisville put up enough of an effort to to keep this one close. Um, but let's you know let's kind of go through some of those turning points. Um, one of those, Lamar Jackson had a, something like a forty five yard run that was negated by a chop block penalty. I think just after that led to a pick six, um, if I'm not mistaken, just on the same drive. That's right. Yeah. Um, so you know you, you got to assume if he's able to finish that 45-yard drive. That's a 14-point swing, potentially, in the score. Um, and then, yeah, like the, there were a lot of three-and-outs early or a lot of drop passes that could have extended drives, driven up the play clock or the play count and the time of possession. You know, maybe that has dynamic, far-reaching effects in the second half on the defense's fatigue levels. And maybe you do see them start to run and be a little more successful. Um, but I think the, some of the Louisville play calling was also a bit suspect. There were a lot of drives killed by drop passes why do you keep going back to the pass then um i thought their their running game was actually pretty successful to the point where i'm surprised they didn't go back to that more not just with design lamar jackson runs right were you not thinking especially at the end of the first quarter when their offense got some momentum and scored a touchdown were you not fearful of just of lj at that point because i mean what he could do with his legs and how slippery he was i was fearful and i don't know why yeah. they didn't really go to the well there i mean maybe that maybe for his health maybe Again, maybe Brent Venables would have made some type of adjustment to negate that, but that was seemed to be working on that one drive and that one window. Um, yeah, for sure, and it went away from it. Yeah, very true. Um, so yeah, I mean, if we're handing out grades for this game, like Lamar Jackson, from an accuracy perspective, a decision making, a putting his guys in the position to be successful, probably you know a C, right? C plus. I thought you got to give the same type of grade, if not worse, to Bobby Petrino. And what they dialed up on on offense here, almost yeah. no adjustments really. It didn't seem as much. I mean, and, you know, I'm no football X's and no guru, but it didn't seem like there was a whole lot of adjustments. And heck, maybe at some point they realized like, I'm not going to throw out my Heisman quarterback. I had to get you know pounded uh, by by, well, by Clemson linebackers. I don't know. I don't know though, Cody, because Lamar Jackson was in there through the very last drive of the game. You know, I, I mentioned the padding of stats. <laughs> Good and, point. Yeah. You know they. They scored 14 points in the at the in the tail you know the, the tail end at garbage time in that game, um, 
couldn't get that final score though against our what third third string defense. <laughs> um, that was one of the most satisfying moments of the game for me. Um, but yeah, I kind of weird. It's not weird actually. I, I can I can believe it. They want to preserve Lamar's Heisman hopes and even NFL draft stock if he if he goes in against Clemson and lays a complete stinker of a statistical performance, not let alone a team performance, uh, that could definitely affect his draft stock. I just, from everything I'm reading about his NFL prospects, those scouts anyway are saying he better learn how to catch passes or return kicks. Really? Wow. Yeah. I, I have to th- I was thinking about that while rewatching the game a little bit, and all I could all I could really think of was his NFL prospects and thinking there's no way. And I love I really enjoy watching him as as a college quarterback. And, and darn if he, you know if he's not the best you know he's at least one or two with Baker Mayfield in terms of college quarterbacks right now, but there's just no way. I mean that that speed will be completely negated on the NFL level, and if you can't be a more accurate passer, and he's just that he, that is not his game. Um, but heck, yeah, maybe move out to wide receiver because he is very elusive. Yeah, I just don't see them doing that in this little offense this season. I mean, if if that truly was what they're trying to get done for him. I don't know. I, it would take a really, they'd have to maybe lose one or two more games before they start thinking about doing that. Um, and I'm not saying he has to like move over to wide receiver this, this year. He can do that, you know, preparing for the draft. But um, anyway, I'm, I'm maybe not as bullish on his, his NFL stock as some of their fans are. Yeah. I, I would like to dive more into those projections because he has not shown me anything that makes me think he could be an NFL quarterback. I mean, look, Deshaun Watson had to do some advanced things in Clemson. And, uh, you know, in terms of going through his progressions, and he did a pretty good job. He got better at it as, as his career went along. But you see his difficulties in the NFL already, and I think he's going to have a long road. It's just a completely different game. And I, there's nothing about Lamar Jackson that makes me think, wow, that guy's going to sit in the pocket and pick a defense apart. Do you think this game killed any hopes he had of a Heisman repeat? I think so, because if you look at the two-headed monster in Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, one of those guys, I, there's not going to be a great defense for the rest of the way. I mean, Oklahoma already had their their great defense. They won't face another one. And those, they're just going to rack up just crazy, crazy-like numbers, either either Mason Rudolph or, or Baker Mayfield. Uh, am I missing anyone? I mean, the running back for Penn State, although... Saquon Barkley, yeah. I like I'm not him. Sure. He's not... Everyone's favorite in the year coming in was Sam Darnold at USC, or Josh Rosen at UCLA. Like I just think both those guys are fairly flawed. They played games that are too close. They're on the West Coast. Like granted, they're both at schools get pretty hyped, especially Darnold. But yeah, I think st- on stats alone and impressiveness, um, I'd probably pencil in one of those uh, Oklahoma guys. Yeah, I mean, and you could get Barkley the nod if he goes up against a Michigan or Ohio State and has or both and has great games. Those are going to be nationally televised primetime games that's important. You mentioned about the West Coast bias or the East Coast bias, I'm sorry. And Josh Rosen just lost to Memphis. So, uh, yeah, you know, that, that doesn't disqualify him, but, you know, that I don't think he's by any means a front runner at this point. He had three picks, should have been five picks, I'm pretty sure. There were a couple that were just dropped, but... Didn't yeah. look great. Yeah. yeah, it didn't look too great. You're supposed to beat up on those kind of teams. So, um, Heisman doesn't matter, though. Who gives a shit? I guess, well, Kelly Bryant. I'm not, I'm not going to start waving that flag, but he's got to be top 10. Right. Yeah, potentially. Uh, I think I asked you earlier on in the year, like, what is the absolute ceiling for Kelly Bryant's season? Could it be Heisman worthy? I don't really know. I mean, you know, he could he could certainly take a couple of leaps in some of our upcoming games, but 
I don't think our offense is designed to have one player at this point rack up the type of stats, um, you know, to compete for that type of an award. And, you know, again, with a lot of the game day smack going on between Lamar and Deshaun, Deshaun responding with a picture of him holding up the Natty trophy. I hope you saw some of those tweets going out, but good, good job by Deshaun for defending himself in those. But, uh, you know, I think this team cares more about wins and championships than silly individual awards that really don't actually mean anything. It, it probably means less and less, uh, you know, like I think Heisman used to, I mean, I, 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 there's certainly prestige with it, but I thought you look at it in terms of a program tool, a recruiting tool, that is, I think primetime games, like Clemson has had two, two back-to-back weeks now where they were primetime, you know, they were, you know, competing with USC and Texas and the week before it was Notre Dame, Georgia, but that's huge. And it used to be the whole, like the whole thing about you go to the ACC, you might play one big game a year, but. Hey, we're two big games in the first three. Yeah, we got they've Virginia up, Tech. They've upgraded up. Virginia Tech, and then Florida State. Pretty sure Florida State will be. Um, and then so we're yeah. playing in the postseason, like, and that's it's not a guarantee every year, but it's it's you might get three extra games. So it's like it doesn't matter if you're going into Athens, Georgia, you know, or you're going to Baton Rouge. Like it just doesn't matter. Right. So anyway, yeah. In terms of program tool, I'm happy with where Clemson is, and screw the Heisman. <laughs> Any takeaways otherwise from this effort against Louisville, you know, on defense, we haven't talked much about sort of the linebacker play. I think that, you know, saw some amazing elite, elite efforts come out of that unit um, and the secondary too. So, yeah, I was, I was just going to touch on the linebackers because everyone's talking about the front four nationally, regionally, locally, whatever you want to call it. The linebackers look really good, but we got a ton of publicity. He was a huge leader for the team last year, but I think, this whole unit returning Dorian O'Daniel, him playing more snaps than ever because he's so damn fast as a strong side linebacker, covers so much ground. You saw the interception. And then Kendall Joseph, Quacking Tiger said he's quietly becoming one of the best linebackers in the Brent Venables era. And that's 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 two of your guys. The most talented of those three, probably, like raw talent, is Trey Lamar at middle linebacker. So I'm really I'm really pleased with this group. The kind of the, the delta in, in between them being potentially as good as, you know, one of our best Venables linebacking cores, I think it's Trey Lamar. And I think he looked a little bit more instinctive in this game from what I saw uh, than he did against Auburn. So that, that looks good going forward. Yeah, I guess, you know, a question I have about ongoing linebacker play is, do you see them continuing to be as disruptive as maybe last year's unit was in, in, defending the pass you know at the line of scrimmage getting into the backfield um or do you think that you know we will rely a little bit more on the talent up front to get the pressure and like will they play more of a role in pass defense dropping back i i guess it'll depend on the opponent but i i think kendall joseph is a little bit quicker in space he's not you know he's not a crazy he's not a burner either but he's gonna do a little bit more of an, he's gonna be a little bit of an upgraded outside linebacker over bullware and then again, I think the things the things you've seen from Dorian Daniel at this point, both of them can shoot the gap and go after the quarterback. Dorian Daniel looks really good. I think he he's going to make an NFL squad as well. Uh, you know, I'm curious to actually see how he projects. But um, I don't know. I don't even know what your original question was at this yeah, point. I, but maybe a different way to frame it: this defense, or sorry, this linebacker core actually makes this entire defense a little more versatile. I feel like with the different skill sets you mentioned. Um, in an ability to defend against uh, potentially a, a better O-line that can get protection, they can come up and create that pressure or, you know, against a quarterback that can otherwise pick you apart or hit you downfield. 
you know, it seems like they're capable of also helping in the back. Right. I mean, you got to think Stidham and Lamar Jackson are, is, I, I know you can say what you want about Stidham, but I, I saw him when he had time to throw in the pocket. He's going to light some teams up this year. And yeah, you're right. I, I, a quarterback that could throw scared me. Some about this linebacking core and probably a little bit of the secondary that we haven't got a great look at so far this year. I think they're improved. So it's a very solid defense. And at this rate, the best defense in, in the Venables era. And I don't think that's that's hyperbole. I think it's just it's what it's pacing to be. Yeah, and I, you know, I haven't dug in too far to the advanced stats of, you know, success rate or explosiveness or, you know, anything else about what this defense has been able to do. I think we need a few more games against quality offense to really know what we've got. But I look at the schedule and I try to figure out, like, who are the quarterbacks, who are the offenses that will challenge this team? Giant question mark. We can't say right now what we're getting with Florida State. Um, Cam Akers, you know, on some level gives me, you know, some questions about our ability to defend the run in that way with his playmaking. But that's where you got potentially Dorian O'Daniel to, you know, help provide um, and seal at, you know, can we seal the edge? If not, we've got him to, kind of play a backup role there. Uh, but anyway, I mean, what other offenses on our schedule concern you at all for this defense? Um, I don't want to say Not none, many. but yeah. yeah, we'll see what we get out of FSU, but really none. And I think as we evaluate Clemson and what they are, and we look at their potential, it's not um, potential to beat what's remaining on our schedule. It's how do we stack up against Alabama? Could we beat Jalen Hurts? Uh, could we, how would we do against Baker Mayfield? Because I'll be honest, if we if we were to play Baker Mayfield, I would be scared right now. I I don't I mean our defense would certainly get his fair share of stops. But they would put up points. Um, he he would have some success though, and Clemson would have to do a little bit better on offense. But anyway, I just as we go forward, I think how we how we evaluate yeah. Clemson, it's it's playoff contention and how you stack up against the best right down the line. Yeah, good way to put it. Um, you know. We touched a little bit on Tanner Muse. Uh, he was ejected for a targeting call. You know, tough to. There were a lot of tweets going back and forth. I think JJ Watt was like, "We need to reevaluate how this happens or how they how they grade these." It's just hard to change your angle. You know, when a when a player slips down or drops or ducks. Um, but that was a targeting penalty, like by letter of the law and the rule. You know, that was a deserved ejection. I guess. Um, is there is there anything, Cody? I mean, I read something from. Um, I'm going to Dirk Terrell, I believe, on Shaking the Southland referenced uh, Pete Carroll, uh, head coach for the, uh, not the Niners, the Seattle Seahawks, um, some tackling drill videos that he he teaches in Seattle um, related to sort of technique. And is that something that um, you think this this secondary unit, I mean, I think they're a much harder hitting unit at this point, but do we sort of have a targeting ejection coming is maybe my question. For Tanner Muse, it might happen again. It, it's tough. It's like it's form ta- tackling, but they've been taught it now at this point for uh, I don't know, probably five or six years to keep your head up and not lower the crown. The problem with that, like you mentioned, that play is Lamar Jackson was coming to the ground. It's almost impossible to change your angle in that point. But yeah, if he keeps keeping, if he keeps his crown down, he's going to get ejected every time. Yeah, eventually you can establish a reputation and the refs are almost looking for it more. So um, QT was commenting, I think, on a lot of uncalled um, targeting penalties on the Louisville side that, you know, made it, definitely were not called and enforced. Um, but it, 
yeah, it's a, it's a fairly inconsistently called rule, um, but it, it tends to be one where if you get that flag come out, there's a large burden of proof that needs to be there for it not to be called targeting and that, for that ejection to not stick. So it's always a fear I have that we'll get one of these plays happen on. I mean, it, I think it happened to Dorian O'Daniel at one point in an important game last season. Um, Might have been the Virginia Tech game. I'm not sure, but um, anyway, like sounds right. You know, you can you can lose one of these guys in a key moment, and they're done for the game. So I, I, I certainly, I mean, I imagine the stakes in this one. Tanner is getting getting out of that game. I don't recall seeing Dabo's reaction, but hopefully that's something that they're going to be coaching up. Yeah, maybe a flip side or positive. And I don't think Tanner Muse is a dirty player. I just think he, he means to hit hard. Uh, that's his intention. Every wide receiver going over the middle now is going to be hearing footsteps. He's going to be thinking about Tanner Muse. So maybe that's a, a positive. And again, I don't want him to concuss anyone or hurt anyone. But, uh, you know, he they're going to know about Tanner Muse now. And he, I mean, not just because of the targeting, but also just because he's a hard hitter. So, yeah. Um, Maybe let's wrap up the secondary here. Who do you think gets your game ball in this game from the secondary unit in terms of level of play, what you what you saw? Man, I think I'm going to go with Mullen. He, you know, he uh, I think he, he was out of position a couple times. But, man, his speed, his length really showed through on film. He just he covers ground unlike, you know, I really can't remember any cornerback we've had in the last several years that maybe Bashad Breeland, but a faster version. Uh He's still got some work to do probably with like his technique again, just positioning, but I'll give him my game ball just because I didn't get to you know, dive deep into in the rewatch. So uh, and I remember just, he just jumped out at me with his speed and his ability to get off blocks. Mark Fields is a little, you know, he's crazy. He's a, he's very physical as a cornerback too, but, uh, but yeah, let's go with Mullen. I want to see more of him and, and Terrell uh, going forward. Yeah. AJ Terrell for sure. Um, I thought I, from what I saw from Isaiah Simmons, he seemed to have a good game as well. Um, very disruptive and active. Um, in this one, but yeah, you know, again, Clemson didn't really get burnt in this game. Um, Lamar Jackson's accuracy, you could point to some of that, but, um, they definitely held, held, held it down, um, in the backside. So yeah, great game for Isaiah Simmons to get in hostile road environment. I don't know how loud the, the crowd was after that first quarter, but that's a great way to break him in and we will need him going forward. And by the way, Kevon Wallace, we didn't talk about him a whole lot last, last uh, episode, that's another guy. That's that's great athleticism. If that's the number two guy you're plugging in as a backup. I, you know, that's a, that's a, used to be a starter at Clemson. He is he's really talented. You know, again, good length, great. I think more athleticism than Man Smith. Probably not as instinctive. Doesn't know the playbook quite as well. But I really like uh, the safeties and the way that that position group's panning out. Yeah, I think really important to get these guys reps and great that we could dig even into the third or fourth fourth level of the depth chart at some of these position groups. Knowing, you know, A, you want to have some insurance there in the case of injury, like we saw with Van Smith in the first first game of the year, or against, um, yeah, I guess he was out in the Auburn game due to an injury from, from the Kent State game. Um, and then wasn't Ryan Carter, didn't he leave the Auburn game with an injury? Actually, that was Mark Fields. Right, right. Um, but anyway, you know, down the line, if, you, if you're thinking about going up against an Oklahoma, having that type of depth and experience in your secondary is going to be critical. Right. It's, it's a combination of it, whatever it will talent overtake, you know, experience, but either way, your, your number one option is going to be someone that's good and that can be trusted. Definitely. Um, any parting thoughts on this defense, this defensive effort or kind of where we are relative to what you thought coming into the year? Yeah, I will say it's probably 
damn, I hate to say this because I feel like I'm going to jinx it, but it's what I thought it would be um, in terms of, I, I, I never thought it had a very low ceiling at all. I think it was going to be top five no matter what. It's just as good as I thought it would, would be. And, and frankly, I think it's about as good as I thought it could possibly be on, on the offensive side as well. Yeah, definitely good stuff so far. Um, I mean, I guess from the defense, the question was always uh, related to depth and health. And that's something that we're just going to have to see how that progresses through, through the season. Um, but I do think getting up with big leads, that can, that can introduce some rest that we didn't have last year because Clemson found itself in a lot of close games late. Um, so, you know, I think in the Auburn game, we were so dominant, we were starting to, to rest guys, um, but more so in this Louisville game. And hopefully we have a, several more of these, you know, multi-touchdown wins um, so that our starters are playing really two two to three quarters of games. I agree. And I, I think there is that lull during the ACC you know, where we, we have Syracuse. I'm not going to dismiss Wake. I'm certainly not, not going to do that. But Boston College, this upcoming game, I don't think I've seen Farrell, Cleveland Farrell, off the field this whole season. <laughs> I mean, I think I've seen Justin Foster in there a little, um, Chris Register, but he's getting a ton of reps. You're right. We, we need to get some, some rest and make sure everyone's in good health. Good wrap-up of this game. You know, it was a really fun one to watch. We talked a little bit about the validation that we feel um, as Clemson fans watching this. And um, I don't know. I just took an extra sense of you know, joy with this victory. I think also just based on all the hype that Lamar Jackson had. And there were a lot of people saying like, you know, a lot of my non Clemson friends being like, you know, I think he, he could get you guys this week. And I'm like, not a chance. Um, just a little bit of extra validation there was, was key. Yeah. So I did win the prediction challenge. Um, I don't know Ben's very flawed scoring system, but I'm pretty sure he doesn't factor in margin of victory. I did pick, pick 17 points. So I think this is my first win in like 13 weeks. So just want to pick that, you know, point that out. I had the highest Clemson total. I'm pretty sure. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. I still don't know how the point system works, so left we'll to ch- yeah. check in with Ben on that. But yeah, he's an our congratulations. He's not a mathematician, that's for sure. Congratulations on your win. Thanks. I think, Thank I think you. that brings us to one, one, and one. All three of us are. I don't know. I'm just gonna, I'm claiming the win. I don't even know if I won, but All right. yeah, do it. Do it. Three way tie. Exactly. Um, well, guys, we. We do not have a BC preview for you. Uh, Clemson's going to win. <laughs> uh, BC, they're probably going to fire their coach this year. Might wait till the end of the year. But um, they're not they are not the BC defense that we saw two years ago or one year ago. Um, not really sure what's going on there. You know, Have they seen a lot of talent drop off, go into the league or, or leave, leave Boston College? But um, I think it's going to be a case um, in this upcoming matchup where you do look to, to spell some of our starters, um, but still, you know, I think this will only be the four star for Kelly Bryant. So as much as we want to see him um, preserve his health as well, you know, maybe this is a chance for him to work some things out. Um, and, you know, we may get BC's effort also, BC's best effort also. Yeah, the one bright spot, it's, it's, it's weird. They do have an all-American defensive end, Harold Landry, who's tremendous, and he'll probably go against our right tackle. It's still going to be probably a blowout. I can't see anything otherwise, but that's maybe something to watch for. Offensively, they're not very good there either. So, you know, not much to say. I hope I hope it is a blowout. That way, uh, we get some some reps for the second teamers, particularly the second te- that second string, third string quarterbacks. Yeah, I was talking to a buddy of mine today who went to BC, and it you know it's a little sad the state of their program right now. I feel like 
you know, in the grand scheme, like it's Boston College. They are not in a part of the country that's a football hotbed, but they've always kind of punched above their weight class, you know, in, in their best years, um, at least in my lifetime, not just in the Matt Ryan era. That's what everyone remembers. But, you know, it, I won't say the ACC is a better place when BC is good, but it was always fun to play a game that meant something against them. Um, going up to, I've been to two games up in Boston. It's pretty fun atmosphere. Their bar scene and tailgating is awful, but otherwise the people are pretty nice and welcoming. Um, so anyway, you know, in the grand scheme, hope Boston College can turn it around and make this series competitive again. But this year is not the year. Yeah, I, I wouldn't bet on it long term. They did say uh, in the broadcast that Matt Ryan is he's the legend. So like their golden age was their their peak was ten, ten, year, ten years ago. Ten years ago when when Matt Ryan was there and they were what ACC runners up. No, they they made it. They won the ACC, I believe. No, I guess they were runners up. Yeah, I don't know if they ever won the ACC um, in that era. I think it was always Virginia Tech those years. Yeah, and and I mean, given the landscape now, if they even got back to that type of level, I would be very impressed. But I I think this is more the norm and what we should come to yeah, expect. I mean, they're the- they're in the Atlantic, so you got to figure to ha- to find a year in which FSU and Clemson are both down. Probably unlikely at this point, but never know. Um, I'm going to the cupcake here and there. Like, yeah. Rather than be I, a cupcake, we no, have I, enough self-opponents. I don't see them reclaiming their spot as like an Atlantic championship contender. Uh, but I, you know, are seven, eight, nine wins out of the question? That's probably where they, where they probably should be. But before that, you're probably going to see Wake get to that level. I mean, they're, they're making it. They're, they call him, uh, Dave, is it Dave Clawson? Yeah. Clawfence? Clawfence. Clawfence. All right. Yeah, he's, Interesting. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. We, I've heard we have a good deep, so I think we might be okay in that game as well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, well, guys, thank you again for tuning in. Uh, appreciate the listens. Appreciate you spreading the word about the podcast. Uh, we will be back to recap this BC game and do probably a bit more study on the Virginia Tech matchup coming up in two Saturdays. Um, until then, enjoy this win. Enjoy this moment in Clemson fandom. Um, times are good. These are the good old days. So um, let's savor this one and, you know, Watch all the film, read all the recaps you can. It's a lot of fun. Um, with that, we will leave you guys. Go Tigers. And I'm, so, I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home. And, you know, Lamar Jackson looked great. Yeah. But I do. Oh, sorry. Let me start that over. I just spit. Ah!